Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everybody. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Today, I'm talking to Ethan Sperry, who is the artistic director of the Oregon Repertory Singers. Hey, Ethan, thanks for spending time with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for your interest in our group. Oh, yeah. You have some really exciting things coming up, and on the very top of the list is the release of your new recording, and it's celebrating your 45th year, and it features the music of Morton Lordson and other Pacific Northwest composers, and you have a really beautiful, long, and fruitful relationship with Morton. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, He was actually one of my professors in grad school, so I've known him for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, He's one of the most successful composers of choral music that's uh, still alive. He won the National Medal of the Arts in 2006, which is the Kennedy Center Honors, Um, and he grew up right here in Portland. Uh, So he's one of only two Oregonians ever to have won the National Medal of the Arts. Uh, the other is Beverly Cleary. Um, he's the only musician. And he writes the most exquisitely beautiful choral music um, on all sorts of topics. Some of it's a little bit edgier, uh, but, you know, just the big major central themes, love, death. He sets the greatest poetry to music. And he really fell in love with the choir two years ago, and he gave us his two latest pieces, and this CD is the American premiere recordings of both of those pieces. Mm. Um, one is called Prayer, and it's a setting of a poem by Dana Joya, who used to be the head of the National Endowment for the Arts. Um, really sort of mystical poem. And the other is called Ya Ares Mia, a, a love sonnet that Pablo Neruda uh, wrote to his wife. So two really exquisite pieces. And he even flew here to play piano uh, on those pieces himself on the CD. So he's accompanying us on the CD. Mm. What's that like to shepherd these new works into the public? Um, it's really exciting. It's something I really believe in. Um, I kind of think we're living in the golden age of choral music because in the 18th and 19th centuries, even though the really famous composers wrote choral music, your way to fame was through writing a symphony or writing an opera. Uh, but Morton Morrison really writes choral music and he won the National Medal of the Arts for that and all kinds of other awards as well. And I think you really can make a name in that field now. And when he uh, asked us to do the CD, he said, you know, it would also be great if you could use my clout to champion some more emerging composers from the Northwest. Because mm. there's so much stuff going on here. So some of the other composers we have on the disc, this is their first professional release. And uh, this is not just like something we made at home. This is with Gothic Records. That's mm-hmm. one of the most prestigious boutique labels in the country. It's not large distribution, but they win all kinds of awards and Grammys. I mean, this is a, a serious production for mm-hmm. us. Well, Oregon Repertory Singers is really a nationally acclaimed group. Mm-hmm, yeah, and we've had recording contracts before, especially in the 90s when people still bought CDs instead of streaming them for free. Mm-hmm. It was easier to get recording, recording contracts uh, back then, but it's really exciting to be doing this again. You work with a large number of singers. How many are in the group now? We have a little over 100 singers in the group right now. How do you encourage each artist to bring their best selves to the work at hand and to the task of being a part of a larger whole? Wow, that is a really good question that cuts right to why this is so valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's a term that we, we miss in, in, well, in music and in other art forms, too. We talk about amateurs and professionals. Professionals are people that get paid, so they must be better at it, and amateurs work for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but the root of the word amateur is the Latin verb amo, uh, or amare, to love. Mm. An amateur is actually not somebody that does something for free. It's they do it because they love it. And that's why our singers are coming. Um, many of them do get paid to sing in other places. Many of them are actually music teachers, elementary, middle school, or high school music teachers. And in a couple places, we have retired college professors in the group. Um, a lot of people who have music degrees but have gone on to other things uh, sort of for their day job or for their careers. Um, but these are people that really love what we're doing. And then I think the trick is to hand the music. Well, uh, Lauritsen's Madrigali cycle is his hardest music. It's It's so challenging, Um, but the reward of doing something you have to work hard for Mm. is always more than the reward of coasting through something easy. Mm -hmm. So I feel like my goal is to find music that's right on that cusp, that's going to push them, but they're going to love the work doing it because the music's worth it, and they're going to realize, wow, I can achieve this one step more than I could last year. Mm. And I feel like we really do that every year. I try to raise the bar enough that we can really jump over it, but I I don't like lower it, so we have to keep jumping higher and higher. And I really believe in what people are capable of when they do something for the right reasons. And uh, everybody that comes to organ re- repertory singers is doing it for the right reasons. Uh, it's way too much work for it to be a hobby. Mm-hmm. How do you become a member? Uh, you have to audition. Mm-hmm. And actually, members have to re-audition every single year to stay in the group. Too. Mm-hmm. So letting their voice slide, if they're not uh, learning their parts, uh, we, we ha- you know, I have that option. They're not just sort of guaranteed to be able to be in there. Uh, however long, but uh, I haven't had to remove anybody from the group. This is not the threat we're living under. People <laughs> really do their jobs, and they know like this is a privilege to be in an, an ensemble where we have literally 100 people that can sing at the highest level, mm. that Morton Morrison wants this recording on Gothic Records, uh, You know that we're uh, touring internationally and doing things like that, and they want to work to earn their spot in the group. Mm. And so do I. I work extremely hard for this group. How do you prepare yourself to enter into rehearsal, and how do you prepare the group? Do you do a warm-up together, uh, physical and mental? Uh, yes, all of the above. It changes from week to week. Um, some weeks I'll spend as much as half an hour just on warming up their voices and trying to train their ears. Uh, so much mm. of ensemble singing, when you're standing in the middle of 100 people mm. and you're making so much noise in your own head, to hear, like, am I matching these people? Are we really speaking one, with one voice? Are we doing it together? Are our consonants lined up? Am I saying this vowel exactly the same way as the person next to us? And mm-hmm. Sometimes it's worth just practicing that without any music, mm. just matching vowels, singing in tune, working on rhythmic precision. Um, I often say, like, singing is a very refined skill. Uh, music is, like athletics. Mm-hmm. And I think the people that are the best at any refined skill are the people that have the mastery of the basics. Mm. It's not people that understand little fancy things. You know, you watch professional, professional tennis players, and they just hit forehands all day. Mm-hmm. You, know, you win a tennis match by being a little better at your forehand than somebody else, not by having a you know, behind-the-back, through-the-legs shot. That does look um, good, And though. the same thing with singing. It does look good, but, the, <laughs> but practicing that's not going to get you to win. And mm-hmm. my singers, like, we do, we do maybe the same warm-ups they, do, they did in middle school. We mm. just try to do them a little better. And that same tennis player is going to stretch their hamstrings the same way they did in middle school. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to commit to that. And this group only rehearses one day a week, so it's really important we take that time to, to zoom in mm-hmm. uh, and really get that feeling of what it means to be a group. And people can purchase uh, the CDs directly from the choir at all the concerts coming up. 
Yes, absolutely. At mm-hmm. any concert, they can get it at iTunes. They can get it at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be on all the high high definition streaming services like Tidal. Mm-hmm. Um, we used a really world class producer um, who's won seven Grammys and sort of the highest state of the art recording equipment. So, if you're into the whole like HD radio thing, you can listen to this in super high resolution on fancy headphones and hear some pretty amazing things. We we chose to amplify mic the recording a little bit differently than most choirs do, and mm-hmm. if you listen to this on headphones, it won't feel like you're sitting in the audience. It should feel like you're sitting right in the middle of the choir mm. and they're standing all around you. How did you achieve we, that? We, uh, we went into Call Auditorium at Reed College, mm-hmm. and one of the cool things about that auditorium is you can remove all the seats. Mm. Um, so we actually were refilled with 100 singers the entire audience level. We were really spread out, mm. and we put the microphones in the, in the center uh, so that they were really picking up that kind of feeling. We even had mics hanging overhead in certain parts of it, too. Hmm. How many days did you record? Uh, we recorded for four days mm-hmm. uh, last January, so nice. about, about nine months ago. Wow. Now you have a wonderful concert coming up in the spring at, as well. Yeah, Arvo Kert is a, an Estonian composer. Mm-hmm. He writes very minimalist music. He has a real cult following, sort of like Philip Glass. Mm. Um, he sort of invented his own musical language, which he calls Tintinopoli, like the sound of ringing handbells. Hmm. And it's hmm. very minimalist and incredibly beautiful. Hmm. And he was writing this in a time period where people were writing the most atonal, dissonant music imaginable. And he was like, nope, we're going to strip this all down and write this incredibly minimal, mystical kind of music. He called it white, like looking at white light. It's all the colors combined. Hmm. Um, it's very pure uh, sound. And we're going to have a professional string orchestra. And keep your fingers crossed for us. He's over 80 years old, but he said if he's in good enough health, he will come here for the concert. Oh, exciting. And I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever been here to Portland before. Mm. Um, but in the 1990s, the Oregon Repertory Singers was the first ensemble to record, American ensemble to record any of his music. So mm. uh, he's somebody that the ensemble has a long history with. Mm. Sort of when he, he got into vogue was in the 90s. Ethan, this is a personal question, but what's something that fascinates yeah. you? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, <laughs> the music of Pericles has fascinated me with how, you know, so much of the 20th century is about creating really complicated music. And then somebody per- like Pericles comes along and you get so much profundity out of such simplicity. Mm. That's come up quite and a lot I don't know, today. I'm a Jewish, yeah, but I'm a Jewish guy from New York. I'm used to moving fast and having all this energy and, like, that's how you get stuff done and... You know, I've moved to Portland, and I think there is something to this mindfulness uh, thing we've got going on out here. Uh, To find how much more can actually get done with less is Mm. something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. I used to think it went against my nature, but the more I do it, I think that part of me really is in there, and it's in a lot of people, too, if you can find it. Mm. And when was the last time you experienced courage yourself or you saw it in the world? That I experienced what? Courage. Oh, hmm. So, sorry to keep talking about the group, uh, but we just did concerts this past weekend, and I asked them to learn the hardest piece I think any of us have ever tried to learn. Mm. I mean this in the best sense. It's a truly horrific piece. Mm. Um, It's by another Estonian composer named Velio Tormis, and it's called The Curse Upon Iron. And it's a setting of a long, long epic poem. The curse upon iron is that whatever mankind invents, 
um, no matter how noble our intentions are, um, iron was meant for farming. Uh, eventually that invention will be used to kill us. Mm. And this piece starts, it's, it is in a weird mechanical scale. It's not in major, it's not in minor. Um, the rhythms are really drive, driving. There's this tribal shamanic drum, and it's literally, um, it's one of the most vicious things you'll ever see on stage. You can't imagine um, humans can make these sounds with their voices, the way he combines the different layers of what he asks the choir to do. Mm. And then there's a million words in Estonian, and the choir had to practice and practice and practice just to be able to get the words out because it goes so fast. Mm. Um, and then as it builds up to its big climactic moment in the piece, the entire choir stomps their feet on the floor together, which on a wood floor, 100 people, is shockingly loud. And then actually the instruction is to scream at the top of your lungs for 10 seconds. Wow. And then there's another, the drum hits, and there's another foot stomp, and it all just stops. And it literally sounds like the entire choir has been killed. Hmm. Um, that, that you're talking about the horrific things that iron has done throughout history, and then you scream. And uh, watching 100 people go there together, like it went from being a technical exercise, are we going to get through this piece, to we are going to bring this to life. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and Estonia grew up under Soviet occupation. Hmm. A lot of us are worried about what's going on in our own country right now. We are going to take an artistic piece where somebody channeled their own feeling of, like, what does it feel like to be oppressed in this most horrific, gruesome fashion and, and put it on stage, and we are going to go all the way there, a hundred of us together. Hmm. That's very exciting, and, Ethan. Uh, the work you're doing is, is thrilling, yeah. not only for the audience, but, you know, each individual is so touched by this work, and I know it resonates, you know, it's the butterfly effect, no, yeah. in, no question in my mind. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think people think of choir as we, you know, we sing pretty chords, and it's nice, but the, the, the human voice is the most versatile instrument there is, and every culture, every time period that we know of, people have chosen to sing together. And it, it seems to me like it's sort of this basic human need, and you can do so much more with it than sort of the pretty chords that you hear in church. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's quite wonderful to mm -hmm. just create. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a much wider art form than I think most people give it credit for. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today, and I'm going to be talking to Kim sure. in a few minutes, and we'll add her thoughts about what Oregon Repertory Singers are doing to this interview. And uh, I wish you all best, and I hope I get to see you soon. Thanks. Me too. Yeah. Enjoy the day. All right. Take care. Thank you. You too. Well, hey, everybody. Now I am welcoming Kimberly Scondon, who is the artistic director of the Oregon Repertory Singers Youth Choir. Hey, Kim. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm pleasure. So looking forward to being here. How did you enter the world of music? Uh, I entered the world of music pretty young. I think like a lot of people who find music as their passion. Um, I sang a lot with my older brothers and sisters and was always really jealous of their uh, piano lessons. And so I got enrolled in choir and piano pretty young um, as well. And my dad, we would just all sing together too as, as young children mm. a lot. So that's kind of where it started for me. And that hasn't ever left my life. Mm. So singing has always been the primary role in my my whole life how many members are there in the youth choir right now we have about 110 mm -hmm. members in the youth choir age ages four through 18 wow so, that's incredible uh, pre-k mm -hmm. yeah pre-k through 12th grade mm -hmm. and they're all in one choir 
We are not all in one choir. We're actually divided in uh, age-appropriate choirs. That's what... um, we have a young choir that's mm-hmm. four and five-year-olds approximately, mm-hmm. so pre-K and kindergarten. Um, and then we have, and they're called Primo, and then we have Poco, um, which is approximately grades first through third grade. And we Brioso, fourth through sixth, depending on um, experience. It gets a little trickier as they get older. Mm-hmm. We tend to place kids where they belong socially and musically and then our oldest kids are split into another group as well high school and late middle school that's so interesting i was going to ask you about uh rehearsal and i'm of course certain that you have all sorts of interesting warm-ups for young people especially as they span those ages can you talk a little bit about that sure yeah we definitely do things um a little different per age level but also something are good, tried and true a little bit throughout mm-hmm. as well. Um, it's just how you focus on it is a little bit. With our youngest choirs, who is taught by Barb McQuillan, this year our musicianship director, um, everything is pretty much taught through a game or activity. Mm-hmm. So um, to get them warmed up, it's a singing game. And singing games, um, if people are unfamiliar with, with those, are they're simple little songs that have some kind of game, like Duck, Duck, Goose would be a, a children's game, but we have songs and games that go with games as such. Like there may be it's a tag game or um, they have to find um, an object based on if they're singing louder or softer, uh, how close they are, things like that. Children learn best through play. Mm. And that actually element is never lost um, in our program that children, even adults even learn best through if you can play mm-hmm. in some way um, that it's different how we play, mm-hmm. but um, they, it's all it's all carried through through our 12th graders as well in their musicianship training. Um, they play games that are just more advanced to them, and then they learn to sing what they see and write what they hear through those classes. Mm. Um, they have musicianship, which is a separate class from our choral rehearsal because both are created equally, um, developing the skill and the vocal technique, choral technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so in rehearsal, uh, we do focus a little more on creating a good vocal uh, sound um, at every level, whatever is age appropriate. So mm-hmm. with our youngest students, first through third grade, we do have warm-ups that are more, um, they're in a smaller range because their vo- voice isn't as uh, developed into a full range, usually in an octave um, to an octave and a half. And then they sometimes have silly words or rhyme mm. and activities that help help remember. Um, and we do a little bit more in the younger choirs on learning to track the music and like finding different words to see how we can track along and play games like where we'll play um, the melody on the piano and they have to try and find what word we stop on randomly, mm. make a little bit of a game game show out of it. Mm, kind of for like that. Fun. Yeah, and as you get into our older, yeah, they get really into it. (laughs) And then um, as for our older kids, it is a little more like what you would see, um, I think, with our uh, more adult rehearsals as well. A little more, they read music so well. And we uh, do a lot of sight reading and focus on on notes and rhythms. And we do three and four part singing um, in those older groups. And it's a little more focused at that level. How often do the groups meet? Uh, we're once a week on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. They have, um, depending on their age, it's how long. Everyone has 30 minutes of musicianship a week, mm-hmm. all ages. Um, and then our oldest kids have about 90 minutes of rehearsal. 
and our youngest have about F30. Um, I love on the website, it talks a lot about how choir nurtures, how choir nurtures, you know, wonderful musicians. We know that goes without saying, but also how it builds character through young people with friendship and life skills. How do you engender a sense of camaraderie and caring through the choir? Um, I first by a model in ourselves is the most important in our staff and how we interact and interact with the students, um, building a relationship. It's really quick. It's hard. You have to work at getting to know, know each kids with, I see them 90 minutes most a Mm -hmm. week, Mm -hmm. uh, once a week, but showing, teaching them that we all have our roles and how we work together and treat each other with caring and respect and kindness. Mm -hmm. And then in creating that, um, opportunity to have input put in from them for the choirs, um, as well as, ownership and how our music is made and then we also just that sometimes it's time to be a part of the group as well um, mm-hmm. is really important so we really try and nurture our individuals getting to know them finding where their skills are at making the best experience for them and then but sometimes we're in small groups and you are a leader here and then the bigger group we're all working together toward a common goal mm-hmm. um, that's a really big part of part of that because life has big situations sometimes where we work together and have to find our place. You're celebrating your 25th anniversary. Are there some members of the past choir that are enjoying musical careers? Uh, We do. There's a a member in our adult choir that actually just graduated about four years ago. Mm. Um, We have, this is my fifth year with the the program. We do have some students that have gone on to continue with music as even a part-time or a full, but that is not our um, goal or intention that everyone continues on in in the music field as a career. Um, We definitely at Oregon Repertory Singers believe that music is a part of just your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we definitely foster that as well. We definitely have some current students that are doing some directing with our choir um, right now, Mm -hmm. the younger choir Mm -hmm. um, and with their, their groups uh, arranging music learning how to do a little bit of direction um, as well. And they're looking toward uh, musical careers, probably about five or six Hmm. of our high school students at this point as well. How do you think that music education is pertinent to young people's overall education and their walk through life? Uh, Music education is is just, music alone is just so innate in um, people's soul that it just makes a well-rounded Humans have music uh, as a part of it. Um, it's not, um, shouldn't be an afterthought. It just should be always included. Um, most children learn best when have access to all their parts of their brain. Mm. Um, and music and art are such an important piece to that. Um, I just can't even think of it as two separate things, really, <laughs> in, mm. in, in my, my reasoning for mm-hmm. education. So... They're equal. <laughs> What's something that fascinates you personally? Uh, well, a lot of things fascinate me, but um, I think what fascinates me the most um, is something I'm trying to figure out a little bit for my teaching, but is when we lose the sense, kind of not lose, but how you keep um, nurturing the fact to just want to learn. Mm. Something I love about working with children um, is that uh, 
they just want to learn and they're willing to try mm-hmm. most things um, at least a few times. And so how, how I can keep that as kids grow up in, into their teenage years, it gets a little bit, yes, we, uh, you know, we, we just have a little more trouble as we grow up learning how to do things. And I think it's just a really interesting uh, phenomenon how kids don't, little kids don't have that. And uh, it's fun to see and try and learn from them. Like, got to try it at least this one time. So mm. that's really, really fascinating uh, for me. When was so. the last time you experienced courage yourself or you saw it in someone else? Well, my husband and I just welcomed our... Uh, first child uh, about two and a half weeks ago. Oh my <laughs> so... goodness, you hit the jackpot <laughs> in the courage department. <laughs> so that was um, a totally new, like I've worked with kids almost my entire life. I mm. babysat a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I did, but that's been a totally new uh, sort of uh, <laughs> journey and, mm. and courage there, uh, having, uh, doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole thing. So it's been very exciting, but also this makes makes you really think about you have to kind of must had to muster up some courage (laughs) in the last month or so to to start but um it really took having so many supportive people and a good that it made it it didn't need to i wasn't scared you know good work that's congratulations that's thrilling yeah and actually on tuesday was my i went back to rehearsal and and he came along with so all the kids (laughs) could see and uh and so that was pretty exciting and, and rewarding as well. I bet. I uh, mean, that's just another way that you engender that sense of trust and caring by sharing such important parts of our lives with each other. Yeah, our our community um, is definitely a family um, at Oregon Repertory Singers. It's always growing mm-hmm. and expanding and hopefully welcoming as many new people as, as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Ethan always wants as well <laughs> just love to have as many people around um, in our organization as, as well. Well, it's good and you're helping him with too. that. You're just making new people all the time. <laughs> Oregon, they go off to college and don't always come back here <laughs> a, lot, a lot of, but a lot of our students, um, even if they do music in there, they go off and sing in their college choirs, even if they're another major. And um, they always get in because they can read music mm. <laughs> so to the top choirs because uh, we try and, really focus on seeing what they see and writing what they hear. So there's two different components of of the program there. Well, it's very exciting. Oregon Repertory Singers are doing an awful lot of wonderful work uh, with adults and young people. And you can go to orsingers.org to learn more about the CD release, to see when you could see the Glory of Christmas concert or the White Light concert in the spring that Ethan spoke about. Also, how you can support the Oregon Repertory Singers Youth Choir or maybe look into it for one of your young people. And Kimberly, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me about the Oregon Repertory Singers. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. We'd mm-hmm. love to see anyone, even out of rehearsal on Tuesday. Anyone's always welcome. Oh, lovely. Um, and we have some concerts coming up as well mm-hmm. that people can attend. But well, anyone is welcome any Tuesday to even see what we do, or there's volunteer opportunities as well. Oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate mm-hmm. you bringing that up. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, thank you. Get some rest. Oh, yeah. Rest is a luxury for sure right now. <laughs> oh, God. I send you a big hug. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Suzanne. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. Download the Artslandia app on iTunes, where you're going to find a comprehensive arts calendar that's the best in the West. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Artslandia.